0: Thanks for joining us today on the nateholdridge.com podcast. Today, we're talking about marriage. And specifically, we're talking about one marriage in particular that is with Aquila and Priscilla in the New Testament. Our goal today is to look at their lives, their marriage, and see how they did ministry together, how they loved the church together, how they brought in the Apostle Paul together and how they were just a shining light of God's love within their church and community. So we pray that this is encouraging to you, whether you're married, unmarried, wherever you're at relationally right now. We pray that this is helpful for you in using your whole life, your whole body for God's glory. So without further ado, let's get into the conversation. So, I hear about all these different power couples. You know, I hear about Jay Z and Beyonce, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. I actually don't even know if they're together. Are they not a thing anymore? I'm not sure. Is the Brangelina still a thing? Come on, bro. You need to to read your People magazine. I I should have checked. Um, but I hear about all these different power couples, and I, I, never... broke, your,
1: I broke your rhythm. You had more power couples. No, than that honestly, that only, a, those, that the two, a, okay. those are only
0: Those are only two I actually even know about. Barack I,
1: and Michelle. Oh, there you go. Oh, there you go. The Bill power. and Hillary.
0: <laughs> that's the real power, right George there. George and Barbara. Man. Oh yeah. But we never hear about Priscilla and Aquila. You know, that's never mm. in the conversation. They're never. They're never in the tabloids. They're never. <laughs> not that they would be. This is Word. an ancient marriage, but. I'm really excited that today we can lift up this marriage because this is one, like like you said in your article, this is a marriage that really exemplified some really beautiful things about scriptures and truths that we read in God's word and Mm -hmm. a marriage that just really honored God and did some really great ministry. But before we talk about Priscilla and Aquila, you know, Nate, in your article, you're talking about ministry and honoring God. And uh, before we even talk about their, Marriage and the relationship. Can we just talk about like what what kind of ministry are you referring to in this kind of article? Are you talking about ministry that happens like within a local Mm -hmm. church, or at a home, or maybe both, or even more than that? Good question. I think I'm
1: talking about the kind of ministry that happens when you're a rad Christian. (laughs) (laughs) Just the type of stuff that flows from a legit Christian life. Yeah, you know, they weren't part uh, officially of any. Church, um, you know, leadership team, yeah, uh, in the sense of being on a staff or anything like that. Although probably in our day and age, we would have wanted to put them on one. Mm -hmm. Um, They weren't uh, necessarily even possessing titles that we might think of in the church that are good and biblical. Mm -hmm. You know, they weren't apostles, they weren't prophets, evangelists, pastors, or teachers. so they didn't occupy those roles; uh, they were just people who really loved the Lord, really loved His Word, had grown to understand it and know it to a degree that was strong enough to where they could do some teaching and do mm. some instruction. And so they were interested in bringing people into their home, and discipling them, and yeah. helping them. Yeah. So I think that's you know the, I I guess that's what I'm talking about is not yeah. just yeah not just church ministry but. Ministry that flows from the life of a mature believer.
0: Yeah, that's good. I, I kind of, I feel like I kind of read that through your article, mm-hmm. but I think it's easy sometimes to think of that word ministry and just associate it with a church building or a Sunday service, and uh, to know that that's like something that just comes out of life. Totally. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's a whole other article and podcast, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's worthy of discussion. You know, that we need to wrench the word ministry out of hmm. simply being a description of the official church ministry offices within the church, which again are true biblical you right. know, good. But if we isolate it to that, then we uh, lose sight of the fact that we are called as believers to grow, to be strong enough to be able to minister to each other. Yeah. And that is definitely something that's been lost, I think, on the modern church, at least in the West, Mm -hmm. the concept that we have a responsibility for each other Mm -hmm. and towards each other. And I'm encouraged because I think that that spirit is growing and that that understanding is being revived. And of course, as a Calvary Chapel pastor, I've always resonated with, with this concept, because Ephesians 4 has been a really big part of our DNA for a very long time. That God has given to the church, Christ specifically has given to the church from His seat in heaven. He's poured out for the church: apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers for the equipping of the saints mm. for the work of ministry. So, the ministry definitely is done by all those offices. But actually, what they're doing is preparing believers mm. for their own ministry. Right. And you know, for years, I think I saw people interpret that more as. Um, we're you know, pastors and leaders, you know, are equipping people to figure out what their official ministry is. Yeah. and then they're gonna go run that ministry, you know, start some kind of parachurch or mm-hmm. something like that. but uh, i I've been encouraged recently to see see the church kind of more and more even wrestling out of that perspective. I mean, uh, that perspective's yeah. cool, mm-hmm. but. Uh, It still leaves someone believing. Well, you know, if I'm going to start like a local compassion pregnancy center, then I have a ministry. Right. Um, But that's not going to be every person's call. Uh, So ministry is what we do at all times as believers. Mm -hmm. You know, we're we're thinking about other people, ministering to other people, serving other people, helping other people. These are all words and terms that are synonymous with ministry. So yeah, amen. That's that's for another. Chat, but <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good distinction.
0: No, that's good. I think that kind of lays some groundwork too for our conversation now and talking about doing ministry, doing life as a married couple. And one of the first things you wrote about in this article was just doing service and work unto God together as a married couple. And I had a question about that. You know, I I know some couples who maybe like the husband is really involved with um, doing foster care kind of ministry while his wife may not be so involved in that, but maybe more involved with something like, like a worship music ministry at the church or something like that. And I'm curious from you with a marriage um, that each spouse may serves in different kind of ways, gives their time in different kind of ways. Is that like, do you see that as being a, um, a is negative that, somehow yeah a negative like is that still unifying is the importance in that they're serving and not that they're serving in the same like context all the time yeah
1: totally so what i was just simply trying to point out was the fact of what mm. priscilla and aquila did yeah. not that the fact is the model that every christian couple has to follow yeah so it's i i just think it's really cool when you do see that in mm. a in a couple because it's, um, you know, being a married person, it's easy to understand how challenging that that could be a lot of times, you know? It's one thing to kind of go your separate ways, have individual things that you're supporting each other in that that the other is doing, uh, but to actually come together and serve together side by side. There's a unique kind of couple that this is a beautiful thing. Now, I think in a sense, a lot of what Priscilla and Aquila did is what healthy Christian married couples will be able to do. Mm. So again, when you're saying, giving these illustrations, you're talking about official ministries, so foster care and worship ministry and things like that. But what Priscilla and Aquila teamed up in was uh, things like, or were things like hospitality, Mm. um, mentoring of younger Christians. And those are things I think that all Mature, godly Christian couples across the board can, to some degree, do together, hmm. and especially in the day and age we're living in, you know, when people a lot of times don't have uh, a good model of parents that came, you know, that raised them or didn't see two parents existing together, loving right. each other. Uh, it's really helpful, or their parents aren't believers. Yeah, it's really helpful for younger Christians to see. You know, two godly believers side by side, kind of serving them, caring for them, you know, things like that. So, it is neat when a married couple is able to serve together in a worship ministry or in a right. foster care you know, ministry or in a youth ministry or something like that. But with Priscilla and Aquila, it wasn't so much a, hey, what ministry should we get involved in? It was just, we're doing our life, we have our business, our career, and we're looking around all the time to see who we can drag into our home, who we can love on, who we can care for. And that was kind of yeah. their focus with ministry.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I, I know I've seen some married couples do things, like you're mentioning like kind of like designated ministry slots together, doing um, foster care together or worship ministry together, and that's like a really beautiful thing. I mean, if you're going to do foster care, you better do it together. <laughs> that's that's true. That cannot be really a solo thing. Um, but I, I also know that I've seen – couples who aren't serving in those kind of capacities but who open up their home. Yeah, yeah. And that's just so beautiful. I remember when I was not married and there were married couples and families who would bring me into their home, and I learned so much about the gospel and about um, serving in a church and with people and honoring God through that. So, yeah, that is really, really good. And kind of in line with that, one part of your article talks about um, not – not having any kind of partiality in your marriage about who gets mm-hmm. made some more like airtime, if you want to say it like that, for like the ministry that they are doing or something. You talk about this real connected partnership and allowing your spouse to have space, even if you kind of use your words, like to shine um, in Christ and to have space to be kind of lifted up in the ministry that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I love it if you just kind of talked about that for a moment. Like, what? What are you kind of talking about with that partnership and allowing your spouse to shine in the ministry that they're doing? Yeah,
1: well, with Priscilla and Aquila, which we haven't really talked a lot about them in this podcast, so if you're listening to this, you really should go back and read about them and kind of hear the different places mm-hmm. that they're mentioned throughout the New Testament. But they got their start in the Bible by opening up their uh, business and their home to Paul when he went to Corinth, and was still by himself. His buddies hadn't, you know, Timothy, Silas, they hadn't yet arrived in Corinth, so they were like the Christians that he knew. They were a place of, um, uh, they're kind of a safe space for for right. Paul. But then from that point forward, uh, when Priscilla and Aquila are mentioned uh, quite often, uh, and mostly actually. Priscilla the wife is mentioned before Aquila yeah. he's yeah. mentioned first twice she's mentioned first four times and you know I tried to make sure to mention in the article that because they had a biblical marriage Aquila would have been the leader in his home right uh, yeah. he would have you know been the first among equals so mm-hmm. to speak uh, within his home but apparently he was secure enough mm-hmm. in who he was called to by God to be secure enough in um, his own manhood and responsibilities that it did not bother him that he was married to a gifted person, yeah. and he respected the fact that God was going to use his wife. So that's what I was alluding to with the second point, that they were not particular about who came first, there didn't yeah. seem to be a fight for um, you know, airtime. Or effectiveness, or hey, you know, why don't you sit this one out? I I got this, you know, kind of thing. They were working together in tandem. They realized that they could complement each other's gifts uh, in a really powerful way. So they would allow for that. You know, I I just sort of imagine like sitting in, in the living room listening to Priscilla and Aquila talk to me. And I imagine Priscilla sharing. And saying some beautiful things, and Aquila like looking at her Hmm. attentively while she's sharing and like nodding and thinking and agreeing. And then I imagine Priscilla ending her thought, and Aquila, you know, giving space for a second to just let it digest, and then him Hmm. sharing and speaking. I don't imagine Priscilla or Aquila. Being a dominator who just fills the room, you know, Mm -hmm. and is the big personality that just, you know, is like, man, they're a talker. I just imagine both of them equally and beautifully together uh, ministering. To me, as I'm sitting there in this imaginary room, I love it. <laughs> you know,
0: I'm there too, right Kind now. of like a, <laughs>
1: kind of like a, like uh, pedaling a bicycle. You yeah. know, It's like there's the left foot, then the right foot, the left foot, then mm-hmm. the right foot. You know, and you need the power and the strength of both to really get anywhere. At, at least in my mind's eye, that's how I imagine yeah. this
0: couple. Hmm. That's good. You also talk about helping your spouse to recognize their gifts and to give them space to exercise their gifts. And I was just curious if you had any kind of personal examples just between you and Christina, you seeing some gifts that she has and allowing her space to use her gifts. Yeah, totally. I mean, this is a big part of
1: what life and ministry is about. And, you know, when I think it's the... It's one of the downfalls anytime you do a character study, you mm-hmm. can't codify the characters that you're studying. You know, yeah. so Priscilla and Aquila, they're a great example, but they're not going to be what everybody is about and what everybody mm-hmm. is like. So there's been times for Christina and I where we are s- sitting together with a couple, like I just mentioned, and I'm trying to do the thing that we're, we just talked about, you know, and that we're both sharing, we're both ministering, we're both speaking. And she's Christina is so good at that. And then I think also with her, I've just noticed how she's, um, she. I my uh, nickname for her is the truth. (laughs) She's such a truth teller, you know. And has a has. It's very hard for her not to you know, straightforwardly give a perspective Mm. or an insight, and she asks very true and honest and sincere questions. So that gifting is very beneficial in ministering one-on-one to other women because, um, you know, there's uh, not a tendency to just uh, kind of uh, empathetically listen And avoid Mm. all feedback or avoid all confrontation. But there's a willingness to not for any other purpose except just to really understand or really help, you know, get to the bottom of things to just, you know, ask questions. So I try to give her, you know, time and space to be able to put that into her life and schedule um, to be able to do that kind of ministry. I've tried to really, uh, you know because I and I think I've written about this quite often or here and there about a pastor's wife and how you're, you know, what, what her role is and things like that. And I've tried to really protect her from the uh, traditional role uh, hmm. definitions of being a pastor's wife, yeah. you know, and having to, you know, run a women's ministry or something right. like that. I, I think that she'd do a great job. I think she has. Great gifts of teaching. I know she does, but I think that the pressure, at least at this stage of her life, of leading a women's ministry or something like that would be pretty difficult for her to be Mm -hmm. able to pull off, you know, with the different focuses that she has in life. So I just try to affirm her. I try to continually talk with her about different things that she's sensing from the Lord and just support her in that desire, you know, that she has. I mean, it's like she, For the last six years or so, she's been at our nine o'clock service taking care of our like four or five year old class. So faithful. (laughs) Yeah. And she just like, she legitimately just loves kids. You know, that's why she was a kindergarten teacher before we started having children. And, you know, to really just support her in that, like, you love Mm -hmm. these kids, you love these families, you believe in the mission of the church, you want these families to be able to come and worship together. So, yeah.
0: That's cool. I've always really admired that. I feel like you've kind of taken that role on, like pretty like discreetly. But I feel like you've just, I've always tried to, like one, protect her from things that could just be like, overwhelming and things that maybe just aren't right for her mm-hmm. to do. But at the same time, yeah, I've given her a lot of space mm-hmm. to speak and to, especially speak that truth. I remember when we were doing premarital counseling with you, when my wife and I were doing that with you and Christina that sometimes Christina would just open up her mouth and it was just like these bombshells. So and you, I remember you just sitting back and you just like laugh with her or you just like nod your head and it was just so <clears> cool <throat> to see that demonstrated. So I've seen how that's really effective. Yeah, you and got I try to, to experience to the, truth. <laughs> the truth. The um, truth. You also talk about in the article about a married couple investing into the church, and mm-hmm. into ministry financially. And I don't know about you and Christina, but I know with Chesley and me, we we both like lean a little more, like I may, I don't even wanna say which side we lean on, but like one of us is a little more frugal, and one of us is a little more generous. And sometimes that's like, all right, so how are we gonna mm-hmm. give right now? How are we gonna spend our money? And uh, do you have any kind of just insight for a married couple and how can they invest in the church, especially if there is just like a difference of um like considering how much to give mm-hmm. monthly or mm-hmm. as a gift or something like that? Yeah,
1: yeah, good question. So Priscilla and Aquila, the way that they especially were financial backers of the church, the thing that I was pointing out was that. They opened up their home and their right. business to Paul, yeah, so both. they were, yeah. you know, they were actually funding a missionary work there in Corinth. Yeah, uh, by hiring Paul and bringing him on board. Um, but yeah, your finances, your generosity, your giving is a great indicator of how serious you. And your heart really are mm. for the kingdom of God. You know, we could say all day long. You know, I love the church, I love the mission, I love the kingdom, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, the you know generosity is a little bit of the show it. You know, so kind, of, kind of yeah. reality. Yeah, and it's really in a, in a big sense where the mysterious, invisible kingdom of God touches down. On Earth, real and tangible, in real and tangible ways. Mm. So, um, obviously, it's you know when you're creating a family budget, this is one of those areas that a married couple, this is going to test your communication skills, your ability to work through different perspectives Mm. and opinions and expectations and desires. And to practically make sacrifices. I mean, in a sense, if you really think about it, a couple, a married couple budgeting together, it's like a <laughs> microcosm of your whole marriage. Yeah, you know, a- true. everything that you need to do, you know, serving each other, preferring one another, listening to each other, all those things are required mm-hmm. in setting down setting down a family budget it's why it's really grates on me when i hear about a married couple that makes the the decision to have split finances mm-hmm. because and you know yeah. i make my money she makes her money we have split bank accounts you know and stuff like that and I'm sure that perhaps there's some kind of you know situation or scenario where that there's wisdom attached to that. Yeah, but for the most part, whenever I hear about it, the kind of situations I'm hearing, I feel like it's a recipe for danger that you're mm. actually avoiding yeah. conversations that would be really good for you to have as a couple. So, you know, you're asking mm. me for advice, right? So yeah. the advice that I would give, the thing a thing that I think is a healthy, aim for a, for a married couple is to make a decision to give a tenth of their income to their local church and then prayerfully go to God and say, God, could we possibly increase this percentage every year till the day yeah. that we die? Whether it's a 0.1% increased or a 5% increase yeah. in some year, could we, Lord God, by your grace, increase this? just a little bit mm. every single year yeah. until the day that we die. So that's a rule of thumb that, that I, I would hold that. out. I mean, obviously yeah. in the New Testament, uh, the idea of, of tithing, of giving a, a, a tenth, even though in the Old Testament they gave much more than a tenth right. of their income to their... It was their nation and their worship in combination. Uh, you know there are some passages that might make you think that the tithe is good uh, in in the form of a tenth for a New Testament uh, believer, um, but it's not a big. Black and white, you know, kind of thing in the New Testament. I love the way C.S. Lewis said it. He said that, you know, really the only clear way to describe it in the New Testament is that the Christian should always give more than they feel like giving. (laughs) It's just (laughs)
0: that's a good rule. That's kind of the
1: reality is that. The gospel is a hyper generous message. Yeah, yeah, and so we're to become a hyper generous people. But if you're pressing yeah. me for, you know, specific advice on how to set those parameters and what to shoot for, I think that would be what I would say, you know, a, yeah. a desire to give a 10th to start and then to to prayerfully say to God, you know, could we increase this each year? And I realized that mm-hmm. You know, for a lot of people, indebtedness is such a significant and real thing mm-hmm. that a tenth is going to be very tough for you to pull off initially. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, I think even for some people, that might be a twentieth mm-hmm. that you want to begin with. And 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 as a pastor who has responsibility in looking at not the individual givers in a local mm-hmm. church, but has the ability to hear reports on uh, not what individuals are giving, but just what a typical giver looks like in a right. local church i realized that for a lot of people giving a 20th would be a huge hmm. thing yeah. so even that you know with a desire and a goal to get to that 10th spot i think is good and healthy Yes. Yeah, and good. i'm not preaching anything <clears throat> that i uh, have not been living yeah. you know my own life i'd hate to do that and so you know i just think it's a it's a good thing i've been reaping the benefits of hmm. it for a very long time because god you know, will not be outgiven, and he, mm-hmm. you know, he provides and and takes care of you know his people. So you know that wasn't really the intention that I was talking about with uh, Priscilla and Aquila. I was just kind of trying to point out they uh, were in a different position than a lot of believers totally. are. They yeah. were business owners. Uh, they probably had some kind of um, um, wealth that allowed them to operate very independently because they lived in a few different cities. They had had financial flexibility, apparently, Mm -hmm. to be able to flee persecution and go to different places and stuff like that. A lot of people think that Priscilla was actually some kind of uh, descendant of some royalty Mm. because it doesn't seem like on a tent maker's salary you'd be able to up and leave Rome and go to yeah, Corinth okay. and up and leave Corinth and go to Ephesus and up and leave Ephesus and go back to Rome. Uh, but they were able to do it. So, um, you know, it's a theory that some people have. So I was just right. kind of thinking in my mind's eye, not just about your everyday typical believer who's trying to budget and be generous and stuff like that. I was thinking about, um, you know, those people who God has made a determination. I'm not putting you into the full-time, you know, work of ministry life. Right. I'm giving you a different kind of ministry, and I'm going to prosper your life and your business in part so that you can show generosity That's in good. real strategic places that will lead to great impact for the kingdom of God. And yeah. so I think they saw that with Paul, and I mean, talk about a financial investment. <laughs> that was
0: a that was a good good move. Oh man, seriously, it's so true. Speaking of Paul, you mentioned that Priscilla and Aquila had such a cool ministry to Paul as a single man. They were a married couple, but they really ministered to this man who wasn't married during his time in ministry, just a single dude, and they just loved on him and really cared for him. And I know I've, I've talked to married couples before, and I have even had this kind of perspective before of saying, you know, I'm married now, therefore my ministry is to married couples. And what I really love about this part of the article is that it seemed like maybe Priscilla and Aquila had an attitude towards ministering to married couples, to families, to people, but they were not opposed to having a single man in their home and ministering to him and blessing him. And uh, so I was just curious, Nate, if you kind of speak to that, is there mm-hmm. is there weight to that today for a, a married couple to be – in the life of a single person, and what are some practical ways to make that happen? Yeah, yeah. We kind of talked about it a little bit already, but do you have any other thoughts about that? No,
1: it's, it's just such a beautiful thing. I mean, look, obviously, when Paul went to Corinth, and it seems like he was dealing with a little bit of fear, because later Jesus appeared to him and said, don't fear. Mm-hmm. So it seems like there was a little bit of fear, trepidation. He'd experienced quite a bit of persecution up to that point in his life, and he apparently was feeling that more was going to come. Uh, It's not like at the end of a hard day of ministry, Paul went over to Priscilla and Aquila's house, and they just turned on the Netflix and kicked (laughs) up their feet, and that that was what ministered to Paul. Yeah. But there, I think, was something about his relationship with them that I'm sure was just very... Uh, Life giving and safe yeah. for him as a man. You know, he was unmarried and he was there in Corinth alone and by himself when they began their relationship together. And Aquila and Priscilla, they had each other and mm-hmm. they could have easily said, Look, we, you know, we're full, Our, we're relationally full. We have each other. Uh, we don't need a connection with a man like this, but. They were willing to hang out with him to spend time with him at least to some degree and i mean it had to have been it had to have had some level of depth because when paul uh, left uh, corinth uh, and uh, priscilla and aquila went to ephesus they met apollos Mm. and they were able to Give Apollos deeper teaching right. than he had previously known, mm-hmm. so that means that there was, there was enough conversation between Priscilla and Aquila and Paul to where they were gleaning from him and hearing mm-hmm. from him, and he, you know he had become uh, their teacher and had really instructed them in the faith. So that's so you know cool. that's a level of connection that is deeper than you know just simple chit chat. Right. So. Yeah, just I don't know, just kind of cool to to think about that. So, yeah, I I know, like you've been saying, like we've been saying today, it really is a a cool thing when a married couple in Christ opens up their home and their heart to single people right. and makes their home a little bit of a place of refuge yeah, for amen. them, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, the reality is single people have different pursuits and And um, you know, schedules and calendars and all that than, than married people do, you know, a a married couple has to, you know, go and check with the spouse or her husband, you know, on (laughs) the calendar and all that kind of stuff. And if they have kids still in the house, especially if they're in the active years of life, there's all that kind of stuff to juggle, you know, and things like that. But, you know, there's just a lot that you know, and it depends on the kind of single person you're you're dealing True. with. You know, yeah. you might be you might befriend a single person who's a young professional, they've finished their education, they're, you know, working in, in some kind of industry in your right. town, they're very accomplished, you know, they've got their own place to live, you know, things like that. And every once in a while to just be able to come over and hang out with you and watch a movie or chat or have dinner, it's just a great blessing to their heart. They might yeah. be far from home, they might not uh, be able to see children all that often in right. the course of their everyday yeah. you know, life, and so that's a blessing. Yeah, uh, It might be someone who's 19 years old, they're kinda going to college or whatever, working at Starbucks, living on their own, and they need a place to actually live, you yeah. know, and a bedroom to be able to crash in, and uh, for so like, <laughs> if if we had you know somebody like that in our life who was a female, uh, I would tell Christina, hey, like if you when you're like making your Costco run, bring her with you mm, because that's yeah. just going to be a cool experience for her to just see and just kind of hang out with you. Yeah. But like the, maybe the young professional, like, you know, lawyer girl, (laughs) I'm probably not thinking about that woman and saying she'd probably just love to go to Costco (laughs) with you. You know, it's just a different, different different thing, you know? So there's obviously different stages of, of Hmm. the single life. And so it's just kind of about who you're, who you're thinking about. Some people are going to be, uh, As as a single person appear with you, you know someone that you look at and you're on that same level and you're you're having that kind of friendship with, and the thing that's you know that's different in that sense is that your marital status is just Mm -hmm. different than their marital status, but you're able to talk about life and politics and. Mm -hmm the church and theology and all that kind of stuff on, on the level, you know, whereas other people, you're going to be more in like a discipleship kind of mode with, you know, clearly Priscilla and Aquila weren't that for Paul. He was discipling them, you know, so I suppose you Hmm. could have that kind of relationship as well. So I think it's just about realizing that someone who is single, uh, They are a candidate for friendship and community or discipleship, just like anybody else would be. And maybe to just have a second to pause and say, hey, you know, if I've established a family and a home, there could be times where I could use that as a blessing for someone who is in the single state? Right. Who would like just to have a chance to kind of see the other side every once yeah. in a while and just receive from that? So, I don't think we need to make a big deal about it. Like all the married people find a, a single person <laughs> to adopt or something like that. That's yeah. just not the reality. You know, the yeah. the truth is like you know most of the church is probably going to be comprised of people who are unmarried, mm. and you know, to cross. Uh, you know, congregate or fellowship together, I think is just really cool.
0: Yeah. I just like the idea that you've been communicating of just like integrating single people, unmarried people, married people into our lives as married couples. I think that's just like really beautiful. It's just such a cool picture of the church. I was just thinking about as you were talking, thinking about my life group and Mm -hmm. I have like a, it's called a general life group. Yeah. And uh, so if you're married. Cool. If you're not married, Awesome. Whatever, you know, we have a couple of yeah. single people among some different couples and some kids. Yeah. And even after our first meeting last week, um one of the guys came up to me and he's like, This is just so cool. I'm yeah. not in just like a single dude's group. I'm like with families yeah. and people. Yeah. I get to see like like you said, like the different sides of yeah. life and I get to learn from your perspectives and so it's just cool and I learned so much yeah. from him. It's refreshing oh really refreshing no it's
1: different obviously you yeah know, totally. it's like that that it guy is. on like a random wednesday night if he calls you up at 10 o'clock and is like hey want to go to buffalo <laughs> wild wings you know you're probably going to be like well i think I chesley think so, isn't really into that right now you know so there yeah. there are differences
0: there you are. Know, uh, clearly but yeah that's a really great example yeah to kind of wrap this up, Nate, I'd love it if you just had some space to talk to the married couples about just serving together and doing ministry together. Is there anything like on your heart in particular that you would say to a married couple as they are just joining together and serving God and serving the people around them that you'd like just to kind of speak into their life? Yeah, I just think that it really comes down
1: to your... Um, your priority, what you think is the big kingdom that needs to be built. And, you know, we've all seen it plenty of times that uh, people will get married and it's very clear that what they're trying to build is their own kingdom primarily. And, you know, that's not going to lead to a lot of ministry, a lot of eternal change, you know. So the process of as a couple going through uh, spiritual formation and transformation to come to a place where you know, you can both have that more eternal hmm. vision yeah. uh, will end up being greatly impactful. Obviously, the kind of marriage that Priscilla and Aquila had in a lot of places, a lot of times, in a lot of church cultures, it's kind of a rarity right. because what you have to have is two people to have a kingdom view. Yeah. You know, together. And a lot of times that's not the case. Mm-hmm. You might be in a marriage where you have that kingdom heart, right. you have that kingdom desire, but your spouse doesn't. And, you know, don't be discouraged by that. You know, it's just the reality that mm. this is one couple in scripture. We don't get a lot of them in the Bible to kind yeah. of think about and meditate upon. So we rejoice over what God had given to them but the words come to mind from Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 you know it's whatever state you were called in mm. you just remain in that state you know and maybe god has put a call in your life and you got a spouse that just really isn't concerned with the kingdom they might even be a believer but the body of christ the kingdom is just very low in their priority chain or list right. and you know for you you find the ways that you can serve the Lord and that you can fellowship with God and that you can make disciples and that you can grow. And then you just pray. You never know when God's going to turn their heart, you know, more to his kingdom and his priorities. And then that might be a beautiful future day when you can join up together and serve the Lord
0: together. Thanks for joining us today in this conversation. If you're looking for some more content from Pastor Nate, please head over to nateholdridge.com. You can find a ton of podcasts there, articles that Nate is working on, and teachings that he gives at his home church, Calvary Monterey, and online. Also, while you're online, please consider going to the iTunes store or whatever app you're using to listen to this podcast. And please leave a rating and review. That would help us out a ton. But until next time, God bless you. We'll see you soon.